everybody, this is Eric Krasno, and you are listening to the Plus One Podcast. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and supporting the show. I want to thank everyone that's been on the show. We've had some really amazing guests, and we've got some really, really cool guests coming on in the next few weeks. So stay tuned and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today, I got a really, really special guest on the show. Someone I've known for a really long time, and we've just had so much history together. We've done a lot of music together. We've created albums together. We've toured together. So it's always fun just connecting with friends on this show. But uh, in his case, it was actually interesting because I learned a lot about his childhood and about his upbringing and his musical background that I actually didn't know. So uh, it was a pleasure to have Nigel on the show. Before we get into that, um, I'd like to mention a couple things. I'm not trying to be a downer here, but we've lost some very important people recently. Well, I just found out about two very talented individuals that we've lost in the last few days. One is Chadwick Boseman, who many of you probably know from Black Panther. He also played Jackie Robinson, and he also played James Brown um, in the James Brown biopic that... uh, came out a few years back and he actually performed with us at the Hollywood Bowl when we did the James Brown tribute and I got to know him a little bit and he was just such a talented individual so humble and so cool and you could just see his dedication and his work ethic he had learned all the James Brown moves and then after that I remember just being blown away by him when we were rehearsing and stuff and then just watching him become this superstar was really exciting um so it's just really really sad to see him go um so i want to send out love and respect to his family and friends i also just found out that we lost clifford robinson the great nba player who i got to know well over the last 15 years or so he came out and supported soul live and lettuce and so many different musical projects that we were involved in and was just an amazing dude Uh, So I want to send love to his family and friends as well. 2020 has been a really fucked up year, you guys. And it would be the easiest thing just to give up at this point. But I really hope that we take this opportunity to talk about the issues that are in front of us and actually try to fix some of the craziness that's been happening in this country and in this world. And as you all know, we really need to vote right now. We need to change shit up, y'all. So go to headcount.org if you have any questions about voting, absentee ballots, or registering in your area. I also really hope that you guys support Save Our Stages. We can't let live music die. And a lot of the venues are struggling, the producers are struggling, the crews are struggling, musicians are struggling. So you can actually sign the petition at saveourstages.com that will help support the whole ecosystem surrounding live music. It's also a really good time to support the artists that you love. Buy their merch, buy their music. Um, I know a lot of people listening to this are also out of work, um, but if you can, try to support the artists around you because we can't let it die. I've been very thankful that I can still make music in my studio and work on this podcast and connect with other musicians. I want to give a shout out to Osiris Media that helps me put this show together. You can go to OsirisPod.com to check out the rest of the great content they've been putting together. I also want to mention some new music that I've been listening to. 
Victoria Canal just came out with a new EP. She's a really good friend and a great musician and great songwriter producer. Uh, check it out. It's called Victoria. You can hear it on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. Also, there's a new song out from Nigel that was uh, part of the Song Aid compilation, which I mentioned on previous episodes. And he did the Leon Russell song, Song for You. He does it in the vein of the Donny Hathaway version, but it's a really great version. You can check that out on Spotify or wherever else you listen to music. Always a pleasure talking with Nigel, one of my favorite people and one of the most talented musicians I know. We're going to get into it right after a word from our sponsor. Keyboardist extraordinaire, member of the group Lettuce, incredible singer-songwriter, and a really good friend of mine. I'd like to welcome today's Plus One, Mr. Nigel Hall. You know, uh, I get to talk to a lot of great people on this show, but uh, it's always nice when it's a combination of two things. Well, it, it pretty everyone I've had on this show, I'm a fan of. So that, and you also are included in that in that list. Well, I would hope to hell so. <laughs> but you and I also have been through quite a bit together, um, yeah. from making albums together to traveling on the road together, ups downs. I would I would have to say more ups than downs, but um, we've definitely seen a lot of downs. <laughs> A couple downs. A couple downs. Yeah, a couple downs. More than downy. Yeah. Um but uh I guess I'd like to start with a little bit of a little bit of history and then we can get into um some of the things that we've gotten to do together. But uh I've always been curious how music came into your life. You know, when did you I know you had it around you as a child your dad being a musician, but I'm, I'm curious, like when, what's your earliest memory of like connecting with music and realize, and also, um, subsequently, uh, realizing that you had talent and that it was something that you needed to do. Well, I, my first, my first memory that I can think of off the top of my head was when I was four years old. And I went to my grandmother's house. My grandmother had a spinet piano. And um, and I played a note on it. And I was, you know, I'm still a short guy. But I was really, really little then. And I was kind of hanging off of this piano at four. But I was on the lower register of the piano. And it just made this really big sound. Like, if you've ever played a spinet piano, you know that the strings are on the bottom. <clears throat> yep. Um, so it was right next to me and I heard this sound and there was just this huge, big sound. You know, I wasn't even really hitting notes. I just, just, you know, I was just pressing them and seeing what they did. And then I, I, it's, it's, I've been chasing that high ever since. Yeah. Basically. And, 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 and I think the one time I realized that I could sing was I always had an, I guess when I guess when I was when I was younger, I always had a knack for harmonizing. Uh, when I was when I was like when I was around that same age, I was able to hear stuff, and I was always able to be able to harmonize with it. And I never sang the exact melody; I would always sing the harmony. 
And I was always drawn to that. And I was like, well, shit. Well, this has got to be something, you know. And was that from yeah. listening to records, do you think? Like, did, were you around people harmonizing? Were your parents singing? Or were Well, my mother was a singer, yeah. My mom sang. Yeah. Uh, my, dad, my dad sang a little bit. I mean, he was more of a guitar player. But he could sing also. Um, and I guess really just hearing... Hearing uh and my my mom was really and she really dug the temptations like the yeah. the, the the psychedelic temptations that's, like Dennis that's, Edwards that's, that's, that's the best part yeah, yeah. It's the best part yeah oh you left home want to be grown that shit <laughs> yeah um um so I kind of really got into I really I I really figured it out from from that and also there was a Christmas party that I um. That I went to when I was I don't I don't know I probably was seven or eight now by this time, and I got a lot of cousins and so we were downstairs in the basement and I was like okay we're gonna go up and do this for the family and I was like the organizer like I wanted to like yeah you know get everybody together I'm like okay we're gonna be the Temptations and we went up there and we like kind of lip synced Silent Night but yeah. Eddie Eddie Kendricks has a has a part in that where he kind of hits this real high note and I sang it. I sang it out loud and I sang yeah. it perfectly. Yeah. And everybody went the fuck off in that house. <laughs> and my mother yeah. was sitting back like, that is my child. Right, right. That is my child that's actually singing. Maybe yeah. you're to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's where it started. And I was also the kid that was running around the house with Stanley Clark records at like eight. And they're like, either he's going to be a bum or he's going to be successful. Right. And right. I've been both. So <laughs> <laughs> you've achieved both. I've achieved oh, all. Oh, that's funny. That's all the funny. spectrums. Yeah. And was there a specific record that blew your mind and kind of said, okay, I need to do this? Yes. And I can I, do I need to guess who it was? No, you don't need to guess. You, I mean, you asked the question. Uh, no, do I yes. already know who it is? Yeah, you do. Okay, ladies you do. and gentlemen, George Duke. George Duke. Okay, that's right. George Duke. Feel. It's a record. Feel. It's, right. It's, it's it's called Feel, and yeah. which was also which was why it was really cool. Like when you started Feel Records, I was like, yeah. yes, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. Well, I remember calling was, you when I had that name idea, and you were like George Duke. You know, so <laughs> yeah. that helped confirm that. Yeah. And what was yeah. it about that that record? Like how did that stand out to you? Well, I just remember mem remember now, when I was four, I started playing piano. And right. so by the by the time I was nine, I had taught myself enough to be able to get around it. Right. And I remember hearing that record and knowing that George Duke was a keyboard player. And all of the sounds that he was making on keyboards, because you think keyboards, you think piano, you think, uh, you know, um, you, you think Rhodes maybe, or you, you know, you don't hear all, right. you know, like crazy phasers and shit, and like, you know, just all of these sounds that you never thought were possible by, uh, by 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 a piano-based instrument. Yeah. You know, people people think keyboard and they think they think piano and they think of a, a, an instrument that can only do uh, this one thing. But he was just making all of these different sounds and creating a vibe with all of these sounds. And it and 
it has it has turned me out and i still listen to that record daily like every time i listen to that you know there's one record in your collection that you listen to that you have listened to all of these years that oh, every yeah. time you hear it yeah you always still hear something different or yeah. you listen to it and you hear it differently than the way you heard it last time because we as people change yep and every day every second so just something that you you know and like every, and that's one record that i have heard my entire life that i always hear differently every time i hear it so i've actually I, been having I, that epiphany recently um during quarantine actually being home and actually now yeah, i'm moving so i'm packing being in your so records. like now i'm sitting here looking at my records again cuz honestly past couple of years i've been like listening on my phone or spotify or whatever mm -hmm. but it's just a different experience to pick up the record you know and that's how we grew up sitting there right. looking at the liner notes seeing who mm -hmm. produced it who played what kind yep. of absorbing the record in a different way kind of imagining yourself in that world exactly. um and i've been actually doing i've been like digging into my jazz records again listening to like cannonball Adderley and yusef latif yeah. and miles davis yeah. and like going back to those records and one of the things that has been kind of like sticking with me recently is and that's why i got the miles davis poster behind me i forgot yeah. but uh is is like a lot of you those records flexing i'm flexing a little bit <laughs> um but a lot of no but those records what's so interesting to me is they're such a capture like a photograph in time of like a day you know i'm mm -hmm. sure george R george duke those records he spent more time but you know a lot of records now they're produced over these long periods of time and pieced together because of modern mm -hmm. technology we can send things back and forth it's interesting when i listen to those records and you kind of hear i've been putting those records on and like imagining myself in the room mm -hmm. and yep. just and it kind of blows I my just, mind i just watched that lee morgan documentary oh, and they were that. talking about oh my god you gotta, gotta see, see that. that shit that shit is so cold-blooded so yeah. they're basically talking about they're basically talking about like all uh the the wolf the wolf brothers who yeah. owned blue note and right, right. they were talking about how um you know, they were showing like the pictures that they was all, you know, all those legendary oh, yeah, yeah. pictures. I got, they were saying that all of those records, all of those records were basically recorded in one day. I know. All of those great records, like all those Wayne Shorter records, Lee Morgan, Herbie, yeah. Inventions and Dimensions. Well, uh, and then all the Rudy uh, Van Gelder Dexter Gord, stuff. All the yeah. Rudy, all the Rudy, one fucking mic one yeah. fucking day yeah yeah you know what i mean it's crazy and you can you can hear it like you can eat like you see the picture like you see the pictures and listen to the record and you can almost you're almost in the room right which is which is awesome like kind of blue for example who which became like the biggest jazz record of all time if you they had they eventually released the outtakes and it's just the other take from that day but they sound completely different because you get to know those solos which were literally a moment in time like miles davis played that solo one time and now it's like this iconic thing that we pick apart every time it comes yep. on i know every note to it you know um but yeah it's interesting just it took it took me like just having this time period to absorb that again um yeah but anyway ba back to back to what we were talking about which is like the records that kind of shaped you were there were there other were there singers specific singers that inspired you yeah yeah definitely definitely phyllis hyman 
definitely okay. Donny Hathaway. Yeah. Don, Donny Hathaway. You know, the funny thing about Donny Hathaway is I didn't really get into Donny Hathaway. I didn't even know the motherfucker's name until I was 18. Really? I had no clue. Listen, growing up in D.C., during Christmas time, you know, Christmas time, they they play the fuck yeah. out of this Christmas. Okay? Yeah, exactly. And it's the coldest, <laughs> it is the dopest, coldest That's the best Christmas, Christmas song, song of all ever time. made. I will up, listen to up. that shit in July. Yeah. I'll listen yeah. to it right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I but I was always so impatient as a kid, you know, to sit and listen to for people to, you know, kind of run down what they were just playing. So I never knew his name. I never knew I never it, it never stuck with me Donnie Hathaway. I right. never knew. Right. So when I found out, I literally bought everything that I could find. Right. And there's not a lot, but f- always finding something new. That's 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 why I love music so much. And that's why I love albums and so so much because finding something there's no greater joy than finding something new. Yep. Finding out some shit you didn't know, you know, to make you better or to make your life better because now you got something new to listen to. Yeah. You know? And I didn't find out about Donny Hathaway until I was like 18, 18 years old. And it's crazy that, but Donny, but yeah, Donny Hathaway is a huge in, um, influence. Did um, you realize, because one of the things for the people that don't know, when you when you sing Donny Hathaway, I don't think anyone can do it the way that you do it. I mean, obviously, you have your own voice entirely. But when you do a Donny Hathaway song, it's eerie, you know, to me, how you can kind of really, you feel this, those inflections and, yeah. and the way no I, the way he does, you know what I mean? Did you, did it, did you realize that, singing along with him or... Or, or did he just influence you? Or, you know, or or which... Right. Into that is you have to be crazy. And I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm not I'm not crazy like... I'm not I'm not crazy like Donnie was. I mean, mm-hmm. Donnie... Like, we would call... We would call him crazy. But Donnie Hathaway yeah. was too, mu- too fucking smart for right. us mere mortals. Right. Okay? He was too smart for his own good. His thought process was completely different than any of us any of us could be stevie even and i'm not negating i'm not negating the the genius of stevie wonder okay but stevie wonder would not have been the stevie that we know as the vocalist if it weren't for donny hathaway right and i feel like when when i when i sit there and you know this i when we when I, when we first started playing together, yeah. I wanted to be Donnie Duke so bad. I wanted to yeah. be Donnie Hathaway and George Duke so yeah. bad. That's all I ever wanted. But one of the things that I realized in that was finding my own voice through all of that is what really makes it what makes it worthwhile, I guess. Yeah. But um, being able being able to go there, go into that Donnie mode. Yeah. Uh. Uh. It's, I, it's. I'm trying to figure out a way to say it so that so that people understand. Because when I'm when I'm singing, I trust I trust the record, and I trust yeah. that people want to hear the record. So if I'm doing somebody else's shit, I want to do it as close. I want to do my own thing with it so that it's mine. Yeah. But I want to do the. I want it to sound exactly like the record right. because I have enough respect for the artist that wrote it to do it the exact same way. I saw an interview 
on Unsung. There's a you know those Unsung of series course, yeah, that they yeah. have. Yeah. So they have Donny Hathaway, and he was talking about he had somebody in there, he had somebody in there, uh, you know he had the he had the charts out, and he was having he, you know he was producing the session and whatnot, and he made this dude play the same the same four bars over and over, and, and I mean like for hours. Yeah. You know, and he's like, listen, that's not what I played. Play what I wrote. Yeah. You know, have enough respect to play the shit. Don't play what you think should be played. Play what's written on the fucking paper. Right. Or I'll get somebody else to do it. Yeah. You know, so that is really important to me. So whenever I sing Donnie Hathaway, Donnie to me is God. And and yeah. the fact that, the fact that, like, if I'm happy that I can do that because as a vocalist, that is the best that you'll ever hear. Yeah. Not me. I'm I'm talking about Donnie Hathaway. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that I can the fact that I can get into that zone and 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 I I for lack of a better term mimic it. Yeah. Mimic that is 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 really special to me. So whenever I do it, I want to I want to really fucking do it. You know right. what I mean? And this is something I've actually always wanted to ask you too. When you do go into that mode or you also go into James Brown mode and and again not taking away from Nigel Hall mode because that's my right. favorite. However, because they all they all are Nigel Hall. Right. It's all part of it. Right. right. And I think it's the same thing for me on guitar. I, you know, it's right. like certain times, certain influences are stronger with me. I'll go into Jeff Beck mode. I'll go into mm -hmm. George Benson mode, Grant mm -hmm. Green mode, Hendrix. Yep. All those guys are like guys that I put on this that I look up to and I, I like study what they do. Right. Right. Now, what I want to ask you though is, did you actually like sit there and like learn Donnie licks vocally, or was it just something that was ingrained in you and then you started using those pieces? You know what I mean? Well, well, again, uh, because I found out about him as late as I did, when I when I would listen to him, um, there would be these things that he would do, um. And this is after the after after the initial, whoa! This motherfucker is the baddest singer ever. Mode. Right. Okay. Now you now now we're dissecting and now we're now we're nerding out. Now we're uh, getting into a, 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 a mode of of studying and, and, right. and perfecting my shit. Yeah. So uh, there would be these things that he would do. Did I really that I would that I like you know and like if I'm by myself and this was and this is also before I was even confident enough to be get in front of people and sing by the way yeah if you can ever believe that yeah I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't believe that <laughs> um you know he would kind of do these things like for example like uh, he's like nah. you know he'll do something like <laughs> I know you I mean, love I know that silly. one I know oh, that's my favorite one you know and his vibrato his like his vibrato is just like. You know, uh, his vibrato is just is unmatched, even still to this day. And other other than other than Layla and Kenya, because yeah. they when they sing and they got that Hathaway, that's a, it's a Hathaway tradition. It's fucking creepy, yeah. and yeah. So vibrato, so, yeah. that that's something. Another thing, did you when you started singing? Did vibrato and for people that don't know, vibrato is like when you're singing a note, the way that it kind of shakes with right. with the note, right? Now, La, yeah, that that's vibrato. That's, I know on vibrato. guitar, it's really important. It's the it's kind of what Very sets important. people that's apart. What makes it's what makes sound. that's what makes my sound different than another person's sound, right? Now. 
did you work on that or was that a because a lot of people it's a natural thing it happens then you start to learn how to manipulate it right were you were did you like sing and it was there and then you realized how to manipulate it or did you work you know what yeah i think i think that i was i was enough of a singer to that point where it was already there yeah until I realized that there are different kinds of vibrato. Like right. there's different, you know, there's the Donnie vibrato, there's the Stevie vibrato, yeah. there's the Smokey Robinson vibrato, yeah. which which I which I call the chipmunk vibrato. There's, <laughs> yeah. the, there's the Frankie Beverly vibrato, which is also the kind of the same yeah. thing. And you know, vibrato is just it's 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 um it's the it's what it's what makes your singing sensitive. Yeah, or the opposite of it. Yeah, you see what I'm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's 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 what makes it sensitive. And I think when you really want somebody to cry, it's 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 your vibrato that does it. Right. Your vibrato is what makes people cry because your vibrato is the is the window to the soul. It don't like it's 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 good that you. Sh- sing and hit the note right and hit the note perfectly you know and i've even found that singing and hitting the note perfectly like you know it's kind of like my synthesizer shit like you know i'll bend up to something and i won't bend to the exact thing i'll bend a little bit over or a little bit under you know what i mean because that's where the shit is that's where the real shit is well that's that's the feeling because it hurt it it, that hurts a little it hurts it's supposed to hurt (laughs) i know it's supposed to hurt it's not fucking green fields and shit all the time well it's like when bb king like bb king for example if you if you break it down he's only playing maybe three or four notes but it's which between those notes that makes mm-hmm. it BB King and makes right. it the great, in, in my opinion, the greatest, because yeah. he he, it's the vibrato and playing between those notes because it's like a vocalist, you know what I mean? Exactly, and that's what mimics vocal. That's like the best guitar players, to me, are the ones that mimic singers. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. that's where that soul is, and that's. I mean, know. Derek is a prime example of that. Yeah, Derek and, is and like. With you him, know, the slide enables him to really utilize those in betweens even more so mm-hmm. than the rest of us. You know, mm-hmm. um, but uh, so from there, okay. So explain a little bit of your childhood to to becoming, you know, where we met, and then I'll, I, I kind of think we should also maybe give a version of how we met because that that's that's a good one too. Okay, well, do you want to give that, or do you want me to? Well, okay, well, I'll give you, no how about we give, scared. we can finally give both versions. We can finally, <laughs> it can finally okay. be disputed. Okay, um, all right, well, I'll tell you that I grew up in D.C. I was yeah. born on September 15th, 1981, to Derek Butler and Catherine Hall, God rest his soul. Um, I have, I have 12 brothers and sisters. Um, I grew up in, uh, from, from, from the time from eight up until I was about 15, I grew up in a Muslim household. So it's funny because people are always like, like, did, did you play in church or did you ever play in church? I never went to church. I, we didn't right. have church. Right. The Muslim Islam don't have church. It's mosque. It's the, the, yeah. the Quran and bean pies. And yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
and message to the black man. That's yeah. it, you know. Um, but I came up, and then I came uh, to, up till I was about fifteen. I left on. I left and I was on my own. I went out on my own at fifteen, and I ended up in Maine. That's another long story, but I ended up in Maine and I met Ryan Zoidis. Yeah, I'm giving you guys the short version. Cause yeah, yeah. Because there's a maybe, lot maybe just a little. You don't have to have the whole detail, but like, w- as far as leaving at that age, you you weren't happy with where you were. You weren't. You I weren't wasn't happy with what I was. I you know I was um, I was being taught one thing that I didn't truly, a hundred percent, was unable to get behind. Right. You know, I know, and especially during the tumultuous times that we are in right now. Yeah. And and I want people to understand that I have a knowledge of myself and I have a knowledge of my history and and my lineage in this country and I am aware of what's going on and um I've always been that. So so to so to have grown up that way has prepared me to deal with what I have to deal with as a black man in this country. So um that that is that worked. That worked. Uh, as far as believing that you know the white man is the devil, and and so forth and so on. And I mean, history history kind of shows that a little bit. But yep. but I, but I mean that in the sense I mean that in the sense that that's not that's something that we can change. Yeah. You know, that's something that we can change. That's something where we all have to get together to change. Right. You know, not just us, not just white people, but we all got to work together. And there again, it's because of those teachings that I know that I'm like, okay, all right, I don't, I can't, I can't back that, you right, know? Right, right. And I can't, and I can't, again, like I said, I was an impatient kid. I wasn't going to sit around and wait for shit to happen. Right. So I just said, okay, I don't believe in this. Yeah. This is not how I want to live my life. And I'm out. And whatever I got to go through to not be here, at least, I will. So I ended up. I mean, it's uh, incredibly I, bold and brave at 15 to walk out of your house without knowing how you're going to feed yourself, how you're going to, where you're going to go. I mean, it's incredible. Like, whenever you've told me that story, I've tried to imagine being in that situation. Um, yeah. And. It's it's incredible. I think it says a lot to your to you as a person, and then basically just going into your life at that point and moving yeah. to a completely different. Because all I ever wanted to do was play music, and right. here's the the thing. The thing about that was, and this is kind of the sad thing, but this is also the thing that drove me to do to do it and kind of instilled that sort of driving force thing that I have in me. Right. Um. You know. The whole time I was in my in my father's house, and it's and and I know he's probably going to hear this one day, but it's not his fault. It's yeah. not his fault. It really isn't. Like I've I've you, you you and I have talked about my father before and yeah. the things that I've gone through with him, and now it's so crazy. Just him and I, we talk a lot now. Yeah, yeah. And we we are finally getting back to where we should have been, and you know it's not his fault. But based on what we were being taught, you know, they were saying I was they was saying that I could not be a musician. Right. And that's not what I was brought here for, right. which is 
which is, you know me, is complete and total bullshit. Right. Regardless, re- even from when I was a kid, you yeah. know that music is the only thing I gave a fuck about. Yeah. And they told me that I wouldn't be a musician and that I did not have the discipline to be a musician, even if I wanted to be. Yeah. Two Grammys later. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I see that. That's my flex. You get to flex. I flex. All right. All right. Um, I, I mean, I see your flex. Grammys, though. I, I know. I know. I see you got. Uh, <laughs> I think what are there, about six up there. I don't know. No. <laughs> six or seven, you know, but um. But but that's that's what drove that's what kind of yeah. gave me the attitude that I have, and I did not want to sit around and be told that I could be told that I, number one be told that I couldn't be do anything yeah. do the thing that I love to do, and number two, like I would rather go out in the world at fifteen and fail miserably, because at least that way I tried and yeah. I know, yeah, you know, and. As as fate would have it, and I'm so grateful to God that I didn't fail. Yeah, you know, I ended up in the place that I wanted to be. So, um, yeah, that's kind of so. That's, so that's fast kinda forward story. a little while. Fast forward, then I met then I met Zoidis yeah. in Maine. I met Zoidis in Maine, and Zoidis. Okay, this is this is where we this is where we come in now. Yeah, Zoidis and I. Zoidis was the one that hooked me up with. Kraz. Right. Ryan Zoidis, by the way, Ryan saxophonist Zoides. for the Lettuce, also yep. played with Soul Eye with my group for, for me. And I have known him since also. high school. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he gave Kraz my number, and I was living in Bangor, Maine at the time. Yep. I was going back and forth between Bangor and Portland. And uh, Kraz called me up on the phone, and uh, I I hung up on him. I think I didn't. Did. I, I, hung, I hung up on. I was like, "This ain't no fucking crash. No, get out of here." Because I thought it was. I thought it was Zoidus. Yeah. I hung up on him, and thank God he called me back. <laughs> <laughs> I had to fuck that whole shit up. Yeah. Um, and he and he called me back, and he and and, and you said that you had some tracks for me. Yeah. And that's when we did "Be All Right," which yep. I heard on my which I heard on my old iPod while I was washing the car the other day. Yeah, yeah. And it came up on my old Kill iPod it. shuffle, the the rough. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the rough, rough version, the right? Rough, rough. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and and even even that sounded good. I was like, Yeah, well, and we did up. that one in my little basement studio. Yep. But yep. you know what's uh, just my version of the story is this is how long ago there's two two things that are going to date this. One is <laughs> that Zoidus had me check you out on MySpace. That's how I <laughs> went to your MySpace. And he was like, yo, this guy's so killer. He can sing. He can play. Um, and at the time, I had two things going on. One is I had some songs that I had written that I wanted someone to sing. And then mm-hmm. second, all, second, I was doing that film, the Sing Freedom film. Yep. Yep. And I was doing music soundtrack for, a film. for a revolution. Soundtrack right? revolution. And, I saw uh, that. That's on Tubi. That's on Tubi right now. Because I'm oh, it is okay. Which features a lot of great artists and John Legend, Josh Stone, Anthony Hamilton, mm-hmm. a bunch of people. And they wanted reference tracks of someone singing these these like songs that were related to the civil rights movement and and mm-hmm. uh, spirituals and stuff. So I, they had me kind of create these tracks. They needed someone to come in and sing them. So I think we allocated three four days to do that 
And so I called you, and first off, you hung up. You're like, "This ain't crash from Soul Life." Bam! I call yeah. you back. I'm like, "No, it, it really is." And no, it's it on. Totally a, and is, also, bro. I don't think it was a cell phone. And if I think you're I smart, call, you won't fucking hang up this yeah, time. I was like, don't hang up. And <laughs> you, I remember you said, "Just so you know, I'm crazy." That's the first. <laughs> the, all of y'all listening out here. That's the first thing I tell anybody that really wants to fuck with me. Yeah. Yo, I'm yeah. fucking crazy. Which and actually, if you know me, you know I'm fucking crazy. Which every musician I know is somewhat crazy, myself. so I appreci- I actually appreciated that. I gave and you fair warning. I gave me fair warning, and I got you a plane ticket, and it was your first time on an airplane. It was the first time I had ever been on an airplane yeah. in my life. And I went to come pick- how old was I? You were 20-something, Shit. right? And Damn, and so I, I, I came- six. Yeah, I came to pick you up at the, at the airport, yep. and- uh, you, I remember you were wearing like a button up shirt and like a nice yep. whole outfit and you were like Mr. Krasno and Mr. Krasno yep. sir and sir had and way too many bags of stuff I was like it's only I three days like bro <laughs> that was like your MO back then he would bring like 10 oh, suitcases but anyway so so you came to my house and I remember you were like back then you'd do all your dishes you'd be like cleaning up and putting yep. sheets back and making your bed no I, I know I know but anyway it was a far cry from In years later when it was like when, you, when you'd be crashing at my house anyway yeah. So we go to the studio the first day I picked you up. First of all, he had, he had recorded Be All Right and sent it to me. I was mm-hmm. like, this is killing. I'm buying you a plane yep. ticket. Boom, let's do this. Yep. And you, you came into the studio, and I believe we did those five or six tracks in like an hour or two, which Probably left like the, the rest of the time open, you know, which we had a few days in the studio. And that's when, ladies and gentlemen, Nigel Hall began. Yes. So the very first night you and I ever met, we recorded a mm-hmm. song called Too Sweet, yep. which I had sketched out a demo. And mm-hmm. Deitch, I called Deitch because we had done the tracks. You you had finished them. And I called Deitch. Yep. And I was like, yo, you got to come over and meet this dude. He sings yep. like Donnie. He plays like Herbie. I remember I was like, it's Donnie, Her- it's Donnie, Donnie Her- Hancock. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he came Her- over. Her- Herbie Hathaway. <laughs> Herbie Hathaway. So Deitch comes over. We cut too sweet the same yeah. day that I picked you. I picked you up. It was already dark when I picked you up. We went to the mm-hmm. studio by two, three in the morning. Yeah, I remember, we it was J- we did the we did the entire soundtrack to the movie. With the tracks were done. You did the vocals, and then we mm-hmm. did the track and the and the vocals for too sweet. And you know what? And I'll never forget that because when we were doing that, when we were doing those vocals for the uh, for the movie, and. You know, you had kind of been telling me about all the singers you've been working with and stuff like that, and and because 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 we we I mean we were working, but we were like done like yeah. an hour in, yeah. And I remember this look you gave me, like <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, yeah. like you had never seen anything like that before, yeah. You know, that's the that's the that's the that's the nineteen seventies tape way. Tape costs money. Well, right that's when we time. that was when so one take Willie. I, we I, it was one take Willie. We all we all challenged each other to do everything in one take. Yep. You know, you'd have to I'm listen to I'm the one it. take champion. And then the what group. happened was you guys went out to smoke a Undefeated. cigarette or something. And I, I snuck in a second take oh, of, the, of the bass. <laughs> of the bass because I wanted the bass to be perfect at the end. Oh, my God. So if, if any of you if, if any of you listen to that song, you can tell that there's a real sort of headhunters vibe that we're going for at the end. And Crash, 
and, and uh, well, as of late, people I think have found out. But Kraz is an exceptionally great bass player. He's an awesome bass. He ain't better than me, but he's a bad <laughs> motherfucker, and he really is. And um, we came back. Me and Dice were out in the hallway smoking a cigarette, and the the song was fine when we left. Yeah, but we were. I was kind of mixing it. I was, I was mixing it. When but you guys he's sitting left. in front of he's sitting in front of the computer with the bass and bell out bass bell <laughs> and and the faces like he's like practicing his pause like if anybody I don't know if people are going to actually see this video but the faces that he's 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 like <laughs> like like just and we're sitting there looking at him and it's the funniest shit because for me you gotta think about for me i'm like oh shit i'm in here fucking hanging with eric krasno yeah you know and and i'm looking at this dude bell out not giving a fuck calling and we're just doing all head on shit all night and it was a dream come true for me we'll be right back after a quick message from our sponsor So anyway, needless to say, um, after that first trip, we decided to make a record. And uh, I think pretty much every chance that you could be in New York, you were in New York and you'd either stay, you stayed with me ultimately, but then you ended up moving just down the street and we'd be in the studio all the time. And we ended up creating or or what became, ladies and gentlemen, Nigel Hall. It took many years to actually get it done for various reasons. We we were on the road. You ended up touring with Soul Live. We were on the road a lot. Uh, You know, I was was really trying to... It was really difficult for me to to gain my footing in New York, for lack of a better way to say that, when I first moved there. Um, I was still going through a lot of stuff. Also, you know, with my, with my with my with my children, and you know, speaking of which, Rasul left today. He's, right. He he's been here for. So I have two kids, and my oldest is twenty one, and my youngest is eighteen. And right. my eighteen year old was just here, and we had, bro, you won't even believe this, but we did not have one argument the entire time. See, that's what's great I, when they when they're see, an adult. He's an adult now. Got, and look, and he got his own money. That's yeah. why we wasn't arguing because he wasn't asking me for shit. Yeah, you see, yeah. but yeah. um, but yeah. So I was so so I was in New York and I was dealing with a lot, and we were also on the road. And I was playing with, I was playing with Soul Live, and then I think I played with Derek and Susan for a little while, and then I went yeah. out with Skull and then Warren, and yeah. So like I was home, but I wasn't home. A and lot of that time. maybe maybe tell him a little bit about the the uh, give him a call. Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin is what we ended up. We had a lot of stupid inside phrases, but oh man, what, and we still do. They, they when Nigel came around, day. I was really anxious for him to meet all of like my musical friends and musical heroes, which really. are which are my musical heroes too, right? Because we because we're both nerds in that. In that area, in that degree. So in the and process of, of touring all over the world, essentially, we'd always run into people that you and I would geek out about. And in general, usually I wouldn't, I, you know, I had already done that circuit 
a few times. Of times. So by by then, that's your home. So I knew a lot of these people, and you never would believe me. You'd be like, we'd be like Questlove, blah blah blah. I'd be like, oh, let's give him a call. And every time <laughs> I, you would mention somebody, you'd be I, you'd be like, give him a call, give him a call. And then uh, yeah. I mean, Questlove ended up being on the album. Ended up being Questlove on, ended up being on the record. Yeah, on uh, yep. on Ladies and Gentlemen, Nigel Hall. Obviously, yep. Schofield. You ended up in his band, mm-hmm. um, and with Warren, the same thing. And these are all mm-hmm. people that that we met. Whether it was our running around the New York City together or being on tour together. And he still, and all all of you listening, he still does it. He still does it to this day. He did it to me the other day. He was in Hyde Street Studios, which was originally uh, Rudy Van Gelder Studios in San Francisco, which is where they recorded. Uh, Not Van Gelder, every, it was the other guy. Um, I can't remember his name. But yes, the Hyde Street Studio. Wally Hyder. Wally, Wally Hyder. Yeah. Yeah, which is where they recorded every dope fucking Herbie Hancock record ever you've ever heard in your life. If you've ever heard of Herbie Hancock, that's where yeah. they recorded every yeah. dope shit in the world. Yeah, they did. And he calls me up. He's yeah. like, yo, guess where I am, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm lucky enough to be making, well, I'm making a record. It's really via virtual whatever, but I've been, we're, we're you know, yeah. Otis, shout out to Otis McDonald, who's got. Shout to yeah, Otis. Who's, who's the man. man right now. He has studio. Yeah, we're, we're, cut, we're cutting you, we're cutting you right out. We're just me, it's me and Otis now. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to take a cut. Pushing take out a cut. the middle man. Um, but yeah, I'm making a record with him and he's got studio d which is where they made secrets and headhunters mm-hmm. i believe and they mixed flood and thrust yep. and but here's the full circle for me for me is that the two greatest grateful dead albums were made in there american beauty and working man's dead which to me are the, the best and then also crosby stills and nash and then also like tupac and i mean it's like the history in that room is just so crazy and a lot of and going back to the going back to the give mccall thing yeah, a lot of the a lot of the things uh, I like. I credit Eric Krasno. This is the only time I'm gonna give you props in your life. I credit Eric <laughs> Krasno for uh, all of the things. Like a lot of the dreams that I had as a child, a lot of them were would not have been possible if it weren't for him. Like the first time I ever played the Fillmore. Yeah, I was playing with him. You know, you remember that day? Oh like, yeah, I, fucking, okay. I was crying on stage, like, "Oh God, it's so hard. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good." Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the Blue Note, even yeah. the Blue Note. I mean, yeah. as many times as we've blown that motherfucker up yeah. before, like yeah. now, that's that's the, the Blue Note is the living room at this yeah. point because yeah. of how many times that we've done it. We, you know, we've been all over the world together. Yeah. You know, yeah. And a lot of the, and all all a lot of that I credit to 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 Mr. Mr. Krasno. Well, you also allowed me to cut my teeth as a producer and as a mm-hmm. arranger and writing with you and for you and together and mm-hmm. all, every version of that. Man, and, we got to start writing shit again, you and me, bro. We used to have so much fun. I can't write. I it's it's so hard for me to write lyrics, but when it's you and me together, yeah, they come them out. so easy, bro. Out. We we crank them out. I'm, bro. I'm a, well, I think that you and I have a, a similar sensibility. Well, right the thing is, when I start to come up with lyrical stuff. The way that you sing it and the way the melodies come out and the way, you know, it's phrasing. It is, it is a special thing. A special I know thing. how to phrase it. Yeah. I know how to, you know how to yep. write it and I know how to say it. Yep. yep. You know, it's like Paul Mooney and Richard Pryor. Yeah. <laughs> Cheese and crack. 
Yeah. yeah. We used to call. Okay, should I explain the trees? Yeah, and just, crack? so they don't think we're cracking. Well, every so whenever whenever I'd leave Nigel to his own devices, as we'd say, <laughs> uh, like why do they got to know? That's not it. Well, no. sometimes what happens in the studio because we I had a studio back in Brooklyn, right? And Nigel and Deitch, I'd say there was three levels to it. I go to bed at this hour you go to bed at this hour and then Deitch is like the next morning so right. like I would generally leave I at some point I would definitely work in the graveyard shit. yeah and I would come in early and I'd always like clean up the studio and whatever Cigarettes. and then get ready like make my phone calls and then I'd start working and whenever I'd open up whatever session that you were working on there would be like the like the chorus pedal with the roads <laughs> and the strings and all this stuff and I used to call it the cheese factor that he would add <laughs> And, it, and and don't don't get me wrong the ideas were great and i would always use some of it but i would always call it like shaving off some of the cheese you know what i mean and put it through the graters and yeah so grater. so we we ended up calling each other cheese and crack because and, well because yeah. i'm a cracker but <laughs> I don't know hey, what else to say it. about that. You said it. You, you, I didn't. I mean, it is what it is. I didn't have to say it. It is what it is. I didn't have to say it. I'm proud. You know? I'm proud. Um, hey man, you got to be proud. No, I'm not proud of 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 what crackers have done to the world. Uh, however, <laughs> scratch that one. But uh, oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! Anyway, I'm really oh, proud of what we did during that time, though. And I still think that that record, ladies and gentlemen, Nigel Hall, when that comes on, bro, that is not a dated record. That record lives. That record lives in past and future. What, what I've always said about that record, it's the greatest soul record that you've never heard. And right, I mean right. that. I mean that by saying, like, you know, it's like when motherfuckers first found out the resurgence of Seal Johnson. Right, right. You no, well, pe the, people, that's actually a good example. Because I actually recently have gotten a lot of messages about that record. Because, you know, uh -huh. people find it however they find it. And it's, it's that. You talking about my record? Yeah. People find it and people hit me up like, yo. Um, yeah. Because, you know, it was, we it did not get like, you know, major label and this, that, and the other thing, but we got it out there and, and, and it's out there. And, uh, but to this day, man, it, it, it holds up and I'm very proud of, of what we did yeah. together and, and I'm proud of the songs. And, you know, I, I learned with that record, especially because, I mean, we did that together, but like, when, when I learned how to make a record with that record. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people don't know that there, I actually have a record that I put out before that that is right. no longer available and you can't find it anywhere. And thank God you can't because it's, <laughs> I know, I, I remember, but, I remember it. But, um, but, um, it I wasn't bad. To, it I just learned, wasn't unique. It was, you want to talk you. about real cheese? Like, yeah, there yeah. was no, the cheese that yeah. was melted cheese yeah. cheese whiz <laughs> okay um extra cheese yeah. whiz hello yeah. but i learned how to make a record how to actually make a record yeah doing that doing during that record and that was really fun and and you and i would get into these like like they weren't arguments because it wasn't like we were arguing but you know we would get into these uh, debates yeah. about whether or not we should put mini moog on something and yeah. and you'd be like you'd be like you know what go ahead go ahead and do it and then I would do it and then I would be like you're fucking right it's, it's, it's every time well, because to every me time, because that record is not the mini moog record it isn't and that also is not the, it's speaking to that you know 
it's it's different. Even even if even if I know something is or I think something's the wrong move, sometimes there's two things. One is you might have played something and it would have worked, and I would not have imagined it, or. Right you would have just realized it and it would have had more impact right. you realizing that it wasn't right than me like arguing the point and you never let you <laughs> right you never you never let me you know you know how when somebody finds something and you don't ever want to rob them of the joy of like finding out you always you always gave that to me because that's really how you learn <laughs> yeah you know yeah. and and you kind of led me to believe that that I was the one making the decision. <laughs> like, That's bro, my production technique. Half hour ago, <laughs> I was trying not to give away that secret, but uh, that is that is part of my production technique. Is ma- also <laughs> convincing people that my idea was actually theirs. You know, it takes a certain amount of <laughs> giving it. that up, but also it's like okay. Um, but uh, no, I remember yeah. being like, remember when you said something, something, and you'd be like. Oh yeah, that was killing. Then later on, I'd be like, "Yeah, you never said that. It's just what I wanted you to say." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but oh, yeah, man. Shit. I mean, I think that that record has a certain sound to it, and I think it also gets into sound where the Moog is. It has it has a little bit of both, but it had it. It has a sound to the record. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, if we were to do it again, I'd have. There's a lot of things I would do differently. I think now that I have like a studio that it, it, that has like a sound, well, I'm have, a little bit we more. We have so many more records to make together. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? This is that so was many, just the beginning. So. At that point, we were working in my apartment, and then we'd work in that basement studio, and then we were we were moving around so much. I'm bringing every chorus pedal I can find. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. You like so that then so obviously after all of this you you toured with Soul Live we forced you to do solo sets every night which you hated oh but, my but God, I, which I, I hated love. it but you know what it made me it made me a fucking it really did again again I I don't want to fucking do this yeah. I'm fucking fighting you tooth and nail yeah but it had become whenever when, now whenever I do it it's so easy. Yeah, you know, if I ever do, you know, when when I play with Lettuce, we do move on up, and there's a part of move on up where everything stops and everybody yeah. walks off the stage, and then it's just me. Yeah, and it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Like I used to, I you know, I never liked doing it because I was always. First of all, I was playing with y'all. I was playing with the baddest motherfuckers in the world. Like I didn't want to just be up here by myself. Right. You know, like I. I I didn't I didn't have anything to hide behind too, and that was another part of me and my confidence. Right, you know, I needed I felt at the time that I needed something to hide behind. Now it's not like that, you know. It obviously works better together than it does apart. But I can do this shit my damn self, <laughs> you know. And I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm stronger with that, and I'm glad that I I'm glad that I can do that now, yeah. because. It's good. It's especially the way shit is now. Like I'm probably gonna have to do song or do gigs like solo gigs. Yeah. For a long time. I'm trying to you learn know? how to do that now and trying to get get my shit. Well, together. I think you can. I think you can, and I and I and I also think that you as a vocalist now, I think that your confidence level has 
has gone through the roof. And yeah, I'm well, yeah, so it's very a, proud of you. It's, it, well, that's one of those things too, where like you just gotta force yourself to do it. And after I Bro, made singing that record, is the worst. Singing is the fucking worst because really, what it is, it's. I mean, it's not, but it is. If you if you are, and if you're like really good, because what is is is. You are wearing the most intimate parts of you on yeah. your sleeve. It's yeah. worse than being, if there was anything worse than being in front of a million people butt-ass naked. Yeah. In the freezing cold. Yeah. Hello. Well, for me, the thing was, too, is that, like, there's no way to really test it. Yeah, you can sit here and practice, but once, when you're, it's a different thing when you're on a a stage with a mic and a band behind you and all that you just have to right. do that a lot of times for me it right. was like I'd sang in the studio and I'd worked things out by my on my yeah you and can do anything sudden, in the studio then all of a sudden I'm on stage playing the songs and it was that was the learning experience it was like actually right. learning how to control my vocal and and be able to have these nuances you know, because initially I was just trying to yell, you know, mm -hmm. which you can't right. do. Um, and then, so yeah, having right. the control is 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 something that I'm still at the very beginning, you know, just learning. One of the, the things I really credit to me being a, me being a, the singer that I am is is playing with Neil. Yeah, yeah. Because because if you if you on stage with Neil, yeah, Neil Evans, you got this. Way. You yeah. better be strong enough in your voice because you got to sing over that nigga <laughs> you got to sing over yeah. you got to sing over fucking Marshall full stack of clavinet yeah. Yeah. and four bass amps and everything so you better be able to sing you yeah. remember that show we did in Burlington we did the James Brown and I had the wig on and my pants <laughs> kept falling down <laughs> yes I did with the higher ground yeah. I found a picture of that I still got the picture somewhere in my email of that, it must, that was Halloween it must have been Halloween right that was Halloween yeah, yeah that's the only reason I would have went on stage with a wig yeah, yeah, and I think that's where Benny Bloom. That was the first time Benny yep, Bloom played. That with was us. the first time I met Benny Bloom. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. him and I, we had we went down to George Duke Rabbit Hole together that night too. Yeah, yeah. Those were the days, man. Shit. Yeah, yeah those were fun tours. So yeah. obviously, after all that, you know, Neil uh, ended up leaving. You know, so Lettuce for a long time was kind of a soul. It was like Soul Live and Lettuce would tour together neil and i would be would play with lettuce and then as lettuce really became its own touring entity um you know obviously over time neil and i don't tour with the band anymore you are now the keyboard player and for a few years now the keyboard player and singer in lettuce and in the last few years uh you guys have made two records that were kind of like um part they were kind of like they kind of exist as like A and B, right? Part one and part two. Yeah. Well, the, we we recorded that. We recorded both of those records in one session. Right. Like right. we literally, we recorded like twenty eight songs. I mean, right. I think we still, I think we still got another record in the can from them right. from them sessions. Actually, right, right. believe it or not. But I, you, you know me. As you knew. I think one of the things I made really clear to you when we first met was that I was a keyboard player first. Right. Right. And. I can't tell you how much I love this gig. Right, like this right. is like this is the gig. Like this like I have all the shit and I get to sit back there and I get to play my shit and be funky and 
You know, it's it's just and be with, with, be funky with your homies. There's nothing greater yeah. than that. You know, and when this whole shit happened, you know, we all spent have spent a lot of time on the road together with people and and so forth and so on. And motherfuckers, you start getting on your nerves and you start bitching and moaning. You know what I said to Alvin Ford? Shout out to my man Alvin. I said to him, I said, man, I would give my left ball <laughs> for for a six a.m. lobby call in Os- Oslo, Norway. Right, right, right. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Still drunk from the night before, yeah. like getting up to go to the next gig. I will. I swear to God, when this shit, yeah. when we get to go back out again, I will never. And this is being recorded, so yeah. if anybody ever hear me bitching and moaning, I want you to find this and play it for me. Oh, it, that is that is ne- definitely going to be utilized. I will never, yeah. ever. Bitch and moan and complain about doing something that I love to do yes. ever again. As 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 frustrating as it can be, you heard be it, ladies and gentlemen. Time, you heard it here on Air Plus One. I implore you to to pull this card if you ever hear me bitching and moaning. Well, I do. The one, okay, you know me. Like whenever we're out on the road, when you and I are on the road together, sure. I'm not saying I don't complain, but I do generally try to. Um, Keep the vibe Talk up. about the silver lining, in, yeah. in, which is also, in other words, keep it up. A lot of times, that right. was the, back in the day. That album called "Up Here" was a, a dedication yeah. to the philosophy of yeah. keeping it up, which basically right. means like, listen, we're out here making music. There's a lot of times when uh, when it, it's hard, when we're frustrated, where the van, the bus breaks down or whatever whatever is going on but at the end of the day we're out here making music we're here to uplift people and, and at the end of the day there's an love. awesome story that comes behind that that, right. that comes with that that you'll be able to tell forever right right you know what i mean right um so I, I think that what's happened in this particular time period being you know quarantine and and covid and obviously it's the worst and the, i'm not trying to really um downplay the seriousness of the of what's going on but what i will say is that it's making us appreciate those times and i think when we come back we might appreciate that even more um well i'm telling you when the first show that i get to to get to play i don't care who it's with and it's with a, a, a group of people in a venue where we don't have to worry about wearing masks i swear to god i'm probably going to cry the whole day yeah, yeah. i'm going to cry the entire gig and I know so many people that will join me in that, but yeah. I know I can speak. I can only speak for myself. Like the, just the, the the thought of it is starting to get me teary eyed right now. Yeah. I know it's coming, but it's very important. I want everybody to listen to this shit. When listen, if you want us to come back and play, it's important for you to wear your fucking mask when you go outside. It should not be a political question, okay? It's a common sense question. Put the mask on your face so you don't get sick and you don't get somebody else sick. Wash your fucking hands when you come inside the house. So we can all go back to work and everybody wants it to be normal. We all want it to be normal. Put your goddamn mask on, man. Shit. I, I agree. You see these people? I Listen, I live in New Orleans and I'm you know I have I'm fortunate enough to have like a rooftop and I get to look over the French Quarter and these motherfuckers out here act like they ain't never heard of a mask yeah. Florida has never heard of a fucking mask ever in their life I'm yeah. sure yeah. you know what I'm saying let's just really let's 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 
please keep that in mind because we ready to go because I'm broke, okay? <laughs> and, and I need some bread, yeah, okay? Yeah. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. You know? I'm with and I want to hang out with my friends just like you want to hang out with yours. So put your fucking mask on. God damn it. I agree because we all got things to do. We all got things got to do. Things we got to music do, to make. We got music to yeah. make. Speaking of that, um, tell me about a couple things you got before before we end this. I just want to know what you're up to and what's what's coming. You know, because I know you're working on a few projects. Well, I'm glad you asked, Mr. Krasno, uh, sir. Um, <laughs> I am working on a new record that I just recorded with. Uh, um, I don't know if I can say it. I don't know if I'm supposed to. I'm going to fucking say it. Fuck it. I did a record with Butcher Brown. Yeah, um, shout to Butcher Brown. Love Shout to Butcher Brown, the greatest fucking band in the Love world. Love those guys. Um, uh, I did a record with them, and I have uh, some really good friends of mine on it with me. I have Raquel Rodriguez and Patrice Russian. Maybe I should give her a call. <laughs> Love Patrice. Uh, Love Patrice. Patrice Russian. Shout to Patrice Russian. Yeah. Um, Zoidis. Um, you know, and I have... Um, I'm really, really excited about this record. The name of the record is called Spiritual. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be out in October. And um, I'll say this. This is, this is how I'll describe the record. There's people have been asking me to describe it. So this is, this, is my, this is how I'll do it. If Ladies and Gentlemen was my brown sugar, this is my voodoo. Okay. Okay. And it's... it's I'm really, really proud. I'm really, really proud of this record. And also, I think it's this record particularly speaks to the time that we're in today. You know? We All, need that. That's we the one that. thing. That's the one thing. Okay, going back to the whole beginning of the whole conversation. The, the thing that I love about music and the thing that I love about records is that they all individually speak to the time that they mm -hmm. were written. Yep. You know? Um and this record definitely speaks to um to to what's going on in the world today and you know there's a couple there's a couple lovey lovey doveys and yep. you know there's a you know there's a couple of uh you know i don't think there's any chorus on any of the roads on wow. this record so i Amazing. think it's definitely phasers but there's yeah. just there's, i don't think there's any chorus so i think i think you might be able to listen to this one all the way through um I, i'm excited <laughs> to hear i know i've heard little, i've I'm, heard pieces of it and i love what i've heard i'm really so. i'm really excited i'm really excited to uh to have another record coming out and um and i also have a quarantine record coming out also, but that's going to come out much later. Okay. Um, uh, and Kraz and I are working on an 80s record, supposedly. Yeah. Allegedly. We, yeah, we got we to gotta finish it. This is a concept that's gotta, been in the works for like a million we gotta years. We got to finish gonna, it. Now, I've done we're two do of them already, so you yeah. have to start so now the I next gotta, I, I know. I, it's, I've been See uh, what I'm saying? I've been slacking. See? There you go. You've been fucking up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's good, man. We got a lot to look forward to. Uh, and then, obviously, congratulations on the Lattice, Last Lettuce album being Thank nominated for a Grammy. So I was Thank so you. proud and so excited about that. It's, um, I'm just like proud of the whole thing, man. It's something that I've been a part of. And since it was the something beginning. that you were a part of that you helped to cultivate. So yeah, you should be and, proud. But I love y'all. And uh, this is your this is your Grammy too. You know? you know, it. it I wasn't. A, I wasn't a part of that album, but I, I definitely am no, proud weren't. of the accomplishments um, of the band and of our crew because it's all. It's all family. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh, and I thank you for taking uh, taking the time. 
I yeah. thank you for having me, Crass. Yeah, Anytime man. I get to hang out with you and just and talk shit, is, you know, that's what I, I do very well. And I will definitely be hitting you up. <laughs> I'll definitely be having you on. Maybe I'll have you on again when the album comes out and we'll chop it up yes, about the album. Absolutely. We can have like a like a virtual listening party or something. That's shit. perfect. All right, you man. Know. Much love to you and the family. Love you, Crass. Likewise, right, man. I'll talk to you All soon, right. man. Wanna thank Nigel Hall for being on the show. That was really fun talking with him. And uh, to take us out, I'd like to play the track that really started it all the very first day we ever actually hung out. Um, We created this song, and it's called Too Sweet from the album Ladies and Gentlemen, Nigel Hall.
Krasno Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, under the artist name Kras. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email Kras plus one at Gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time.